Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to hand over to my darling wife. Everyone say, God bless Pastor Darling as we launch into something that will change your life. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. The Word of God changes lives. We are different when we, when we hear, meditate on, and listen to the Word of God. So, so great to be with you. We are, we are doing it today. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Every Nation Ramsach, where we see lives, communities, and society transformed through discipleship in the Word, the presence, and the power of God. We're starting a new series today, and it's called The Year of Yes. Can you feel it? Can you feel the giant yes over your soul? God promised. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20, he said this. He said, no matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Christ. That means no matter what you read in the Bible that's a promise, you can say that's mine. What God is saying is that through Christ Jesus, he made all his promises yes over you. There is a banner over your head that says yes. There's a banner over your head that says to all the blessings of the kingdom, yes. That says to all the character of God, yes. There is a giant yes over your life pulling every good thing to your life. The scripture goes on and says, and through him, we say amen to his glory. What does that mean? Is that in order for that giant yes over your life to come to pass, you have to say yes back. You have to say, I want that. You have to say, amen, let it be. You have to return the favor. You have to say to God, I see what you put over me. I delight in it. I say yes to all that you have for me. Saying yes to Jesus, saying yes to his ways, saying yes to his life. It means I step out of my own desirability, my own media, meager strength that that I've been working at to try and create some kind of goodness in my life, I say, actually, I don't need that. There's a giant yes over my life. I step into Christ and I say, amen. Amen to that. Amen to that. Amen to that. I leave the striving, the fear, the anxiety behind, and I step into peace and I say, yes. This is a year of yes. This is a year of us responding to his giant yes over our lives with our yes. The year of yes. Today I'm going to be speaking about yes to change. I've got three points and the points go like this. What is real? Ever ask yourself that question? What is real? Yes is no. Surrender is life. What is real? Yes is no. Surrender is life. I hope you feel curious. Good. <laughs> Lord Jesus, I pray for everyone here. I pray, Father God, that, that any barrier that is covering, covering their understanding and preventing, preventing them, excuse me, from knowing who Christ is, from knowing what actually is their portion and their inheritance. Lord God, I pray that you would remove that. As I preach, I'm asking for an anointing to rest on me, to break strongholds. 
to destroy wrong thinking, to eliminate lies. Lord God, generational thinking that has kept us in bondage, that has kept us smaller than we need to be, that's kept us in fear, that's kept us in pride, that's kept us in all the things that keep human beings in pain. Father God, I'm asking you would remove those things. I'm asking a giant prayer today that you'd set us free to know you, to stand in the giant yes that you have proclaimed over our lives. Lord Jesus, we say yes. And all of God's people said you got it. Some of you, some of you got it. And all of God's people said, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the year of yes. I'm sitting on my patio. All the family are around for Sunday lunch. My fork with a beautiful juicy piece of roast chicken is halfway to my mouth. And my son to my right blurts out, mom, your butt is not really touching your chair. I paused because there are a couple of things he could have been saying because you know as I'm sitting there we have particularly hard patio chairs I knew my bum was touching you know I knew I could feel it there so a couple of things he could be saying he could be saying mom you've gained a lot of weight <laughs> and you know you you jammed between those two arms and you're not quite getting down there he could have been saying that if he had, that fork would have been flying through the air right at him. He could have been saying, Mom, you've lost so much weight. I just, I can't even see you. It's like you're not even touching. He could have been saying that, in which case I would have smiled with great love. Or he could have been saying, what you think is real isn't real. In which case, oh my word. <laughs> I did the clever thing when your son's a physicist. And I said, what do you mean, son? He began to tell us what he meant. And what he meant was this. He meant that, that all matter is made out of molecules. Are you ready for a science lesson? <laughs> all matter is made out of molecules. And molecules, or atoms, and molecules are made out of atoms. Gosh, look, here we go. But anyway, all these atoms repel one another. And what you're feeling when you think you are sitting in that chair is actually the atoms of the chair repelling the atoms of your genes. And actually there is this minute gap between your genes and the chair. Now it's all semantics really, because uh, for all intents and purposes you are touching your chair. <laughs> but it got me thinking about this. It got me thinking about this. What is reality? What is real? You know, there's so many things we think we know, but when you examine it, it's not really like that. When I was a young child, I used to paint, at four years of old age, I used to paint pictures of beautiful stick mommies and daddies and flowers and trees, and my sky was a nice blue line at the top of the page. You remember those pictures, you painted them too. The ground was a green stripe of grass at the bottom. You painted those pictures, you remember them. You remember them? And I remember, my parents are saying they, they do, they've still got them on their walls. <laughs> but I remember being in about grade four and the teacher coming to me and saying, why doesn't your sky touch the earth? I mean, I thought this woman had gone crazy. Can't you see the sky's up there, the earth's down there, what is your problem? And then she said, look up there, see how the sky touches the earth? 
I was like, oh my word. It's not how I thought it was. You know what I'm talking about. But you see, here's the thing. That sometimes what you think you know is not what's real. There's a man who had such an experience. He was a devout Jew, a devout Jew. He loved God with everything he had. He was trying his best to make things work. He called himself a Pharisee of Pharisee. The Pharisees were religious fanatics who tried very hard to do everything that the Lord said in order that they could bring about the salvation of Israel and the coming of the Messiah. They were super, super diligent. And he called himself a Pharisee of Pharisees. In other words, he was the most diligent of all the most diligent in seeking and following God. Acts 9 tells of his experience. You know him as Paul the Apostle. But he was, he was busy persecuting the Christians because he believed that they were undermining the Jewish faith. They, they were saying and doing things that would displease God and would bring God's judgment on Israel, and therefore they must be eliminated. And he was carrying letters from Jerusalem to Damascus, authorizing the persecution of Christians there. And on his way, on his way, Jesus interrupted his life. Jesus stepped down into what he perceived to be reality and showed him what was really true. We're going to read it, and if you have with me, you can turn. Oh, let me explain. I said Acts 9, and I've got Acts 22 up there. This, this incident so impacted Paul that later on when he was on trial for his Christianity, he, he shared this incident over and over. So we have a number of accounts of it in the Bible, and I'm going to share one of the accounts that he shared at one of his trials. Acts 22, here it is. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear the words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, what, you're, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Jesus stepped in and said, I love you enough not to, not to see you remain in your deception. I'm interrupting your life in order to bring you to, into a revelation of the truth. My prayer for each and every one of us today is that we would have that interruption. Paul's idea of Jesus, in his, if you had spoken to him before this incident, he would, have, he would have spoken about what the Messiah would do, who the Messiah was. And this Jesus that had come, how he was an imposter, how he was a blasphemer. How he 
was undermining the Jewish faith and how he was bringing the wrath of God on Israel. That is what his idea would have been. And he would have stood by it. In fact, he was killing people or facilitating the murder of people in order to uphold those beliefs. That's how strongly he held them. You say, I'm not a Paul. May you be a Paul. Because, because God saw his passion and he stepped in and said, I'm going to show you the truth. Every single one of us grows up with a cultural idea of Jesus. Every single one of us grows up with an idea of who he is. And I, I want to suggest to every single person here that your idea is wrong. There might be some elements of truth to it. But in essence, part of us coming humbly before God is to say this. God, God, I, I need to know more. I need to see more. I need to understand more. Because without that intervention, all of us are lost and dead in our sins. Without Jesus stepping into your life and revealing himself, every person is doomed. And the cry of my heart today is that would happen to you. You see, there are, there are three ways we can see Jesus. We can see Jesus perhaps as distant. Perhaps your upbringing has told you about a God who, who is powerful and created the world, but he's not particularly interested in you. And you, you maybe wouldn't verbalize that, but when you're going through hardships, it's hard for you to believe that God would intervene. It's hard for you to even call on his name because, in fact, deep down in your heart, you believe he's not that interested in you. My prayer is that today you would see a God who was so interested in you that he was prepared to shed his deity and step down into your world and come and find you. That there is nothing outside of his gambit. There's nothing outside of his interest in you. Perhaps you see God as distant. Or perhaps deep down you feel him as distant. Sometimes we see God as powerless. We wouldn't say it, but we think of Jesus as, as someone who did this giant, significant act way back then, but really doesn't have the power to influence our life. Perhaps you have, you have thoughts of how, how the devil seems to be in control of your life, and, and it's, it's, it feels hard for you to believe that there's, there's a God who can just say, go, be done, change. Perhaps it's hard for you to believe for those miracles. Because in your heart, God is a powerless God. Jesus is not that kind of God. Perhaps you have an idea of Jesus as an angry, angry, dictatorial schoolmaster. I don't know what kind of schoolmasters you had. But you know those kind that are just watching for every little mistake. That are looking into your life and saying, oh my gosh, I only prayed five minutes this morning. No blessings for you. Oh, my word. Wore the wrong clothes. I'm sorry. It's not going to work for you today. 
But you know, so many people have that idea of God. Why? Because they, they, they live in this anxious state of trying to please him the whole time. Thinking, how will I make it? How, how, will, I, how will I get God to bless me today? What, what must I do to get God to bless you? There's a giant yes over your life and he's called Jesus. There's a giant yes over your life and he's called Jesus. The, the, mo- the biggest stumbling block to people following Christianity is this very thing. It seems unbelievable that there is a God who would bless you despite your problems. There's a God who would bless you despite your ignorance, despite your rebellion, despite your ungodliness. There's a God who loves you so much that he will bless you despite you. How hard is that to believe? We need an invasion of his presence so that we will see him like he really is. We need Jesus Christ to step down into our world. Step down into your life. So Lord, I'm going to pray that. Come and step into our life. There was a man, another man. His name was John. He'd he'd come to know Jesus. He'd be one of Jesus' disciples. One day, he, he had been... Uh, he was in the midst of a persecution. He'd been captured by the Romans who were upset with how he was preaching Jesus and upsetting the order of the day. And they had, they had exiled him on a particular island. The story goes that they tried to kill him by boiling him in oil, but he didn't die. So they thought, heck, this isn't good. So this is going to make Jesus look even more famous. So they put him on an island and said, you stay there and just don't stay on an island where he couldn't preach to anyone. So you just stay there. That's how the story goes. The Bible doesn't say that you think, it sounds like something God would do though. If I'm ever getting boiled in oil, I'm going to think of that story. But while he was there, I mean, this man had followed Jesus all his life. He'd been with Jesus on earth. Jesus appeared to him and he said he fell down before Jesus like a dead man. Because what he saw was so incredible, so great, so beyond his wildest imaginations. That fear and terror fell upon him because the power and the holiness and the glory emanating from him was so majestic. The Bible says, the Bible says his hair was white like wool. (laughs) I don't know if that was just the glory around him or just because he's the ancient of days. I don't know, but his hair was as white like wool. Well, it says his, his eyes were so piercing that it was like fire was coming from them. It says he stood in majestic white with gold all around him, that, it, that his flesh was like burnished bronze. Like when you looked at him, it was just, it was like glory and light just coming from him in every direction. And it says his voice was like the sound of many waters. Can you hear it? Just a rumbling. Just, just when he speaks, everything happens. There's a, there's a thunder and a power because his voice creates. His voice, he is the word. It's just thundering over creation. That when you hear it, it's, it's resonating in the very deepest part of you. This is our God. This is our God. And when you see him, all of who you are must fall at his feet. If people could just see Jesus, they would serve him. If people could just know Jesus, they would serve him. The most, the wildest sinner, the most reprobate person, the most determined atheist, if they could just see Jesus, 
If they could just see Jesus. If they could just see him. I am the Alpha and Omega, he said, the beginning and the end, the start and the finish. I'm the one who was dead, but behold, I am alive again. And I hold in my hand the keys of death and Hades. In other words, I am holding everything that tried to destroy you. I have by the neck every bit of death, disease, destruction, and heartache. I have triumphed over them all. If we could just see Jesus. What is real? What is real? The problems you're facing feel, feel real. Would you agree with me? They feel real. But I'm here to tell you that your butt is not touching the chair. <laughs> They're not as real as you think they are. Jesus is real. Jesus is real. That job that you can't seem to find, it seems like such an enormous reality. But there is a reality higher than that, and that reality is Jesus Christ. That marriage that just won't seem to come right, there is a higher reality than that, and his name is Jesus. That financial situation that just lingers on and on and on, there's a higher reality over that, and his name is Jesus. That sickness or disease that you seem to be battling day in and day out, there is a higher reality over that, and that is Jesus. Your butt is not touching the chair. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. Let's turn our attention to that one. Let us see who he really is. If I could get on my knees before you right now, I would be saying this. I would be saying this. Will you believe beyond what you can see with your natural eyes? Would you believe beyond? The, in, the invasion of your problems? Would you believe beyond that to a God who is present, powerful, and in charge? Would you say yes to the giant yes over you? And my friends, this yes that you need to say is not just now. Because when you go home, those problems will press in just as hard as they did before. You'll have to say yes then. You'll have to say yes tomorrow and the day after and the day after until your yes becomes so natural, until, until your determination to see Christ is so ordinary and everyday and just what you do that it becomes your natural response to everything until you are continuously seeing Christ. And my friends, that is reality. I want to tell you that is reality. I don't care what the world is throwing at you. I don't care what the sitcoms are telling you. I don't care what the reality TV is telling you. I don't care what the news is telling you. These are deceptions. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. There's a God who stood on this world and he conquered it all. And he walked on the water and he stilled the storms and he turned water to wine. What are your problems in the face of this? What are they? 
If we could just see him, if we could just say yes, if we could just choose that road, if we could just refuse the lies, if we could say no to the objections and we could just turn our eyes and say, Christ, that's who I want, that's who I see, that's who I will believe. Church, if we could do this, just the people in this room and the people on the street, stream, if we could do this, the world would be a different place. If we could just do this, if we could just do this. What is real? Christ is real. Yes is no. You wondered what that was going to be. Remember when you got your acceptance to university or to college or to the school you wanted to go or that job that you'd be believing for? Do you remember? In order to say yes, you had to say no to something. I had to, when I went to varsity, I didn't do it very well, but I should have said no to all those parties and all that other stuff and said yes to studying. I didn't do that so well. May you do it better. But you know, when you're saying yes to that new job, you're going to have to say no to the old one. When you're saying yes to that university acceptance, you're going to have to say no to some other things. Yes is no. When you say yes to Christ, you are saying no to a lot of other things. And people don't realize that because they're saying yes to Jesus all the time. And what they mean is this, come and join the party. Just be with all my problems. Look, all, the, all those idols I have, all that love I have for those other things, just, just come and be a part of that. Just come and, come and sit on my shelf with all the other lovely things that fill my life. But you see, Jesus is not like that. Because he's the risen one who was dead and now, behold, is alive forever and more and holds in his hands the keys of death and Hades. He's the conquering hero. He is above all things. He will not take second place to anything. In order to say yes to Jesus, there are many things you will have to say no to. And around the world, we have hundreds and thousands, perhaps even millions of people trying to say yes to Jesus and just add him to all the... the Library of other stuff that they have. My friends, you're going to have to say no to that drinking problem. You're going to have to say no to that anger and bitterness. You're going to have to say no to that love of money. You might even have to say no to that girl or guy. You're going to have to say no to your anxieties. These things can no longer be Lord of your life. Saying yes to Jesus is saying no to something else. What did Paul have to say no to in order to to agree with this great vision that had happened before him? What did he have to say no to? He had to say no to his reputation. He was famous amongst the Jews. Now he's going to be an outcast. He had to say no to his heritage. He had to say no to his culture. Well, at least some of it. He probably had to say no to some friends. He had to say no to a way of living. He probably had to say no to some of his ambitions. 
You see, yes is no. In order to say yes to Jesus, there are many things that you will have to say no to. Because to turn to Jesus means that you are turning away from something. A scripture that comes to mind when I think of this is a very empowering scripture. Titus 2, 11 and 12, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. In order to say no, you are not alone. There, there is a power that comes as you turn to Jesus and say yes. There is a power that comes that fills you with a capacity to say no like you've never had before. You see, the problem is people are trying to say no before the grace comes. So they're trying to say no to all these things before they've said the yes to Jesus Christ. But when you say yes to Jesus Christ, he comes and floods you with his nature. The Holy Spirit comes upon you and he gives you power to say no to all those things. All those things. And this what makes us his sons and daughters. This grace that resides in us, this power that resides in us is what makes us who we are. Because it allows us to stand in the world and not be of it. It allows us to stand in our situations and refuse the pressures of the day and say, no, Jesus, he's the reality I'm looking to. He's the one I'm following. And last of all, if yes is no, surrender is life. Surrender is life. Susie was looking for a job. You know Susie. She's Johnny, who we talked about last week. His, his sister, Susie. She's looking for a job. Oh, she, oh she has a job, sorry. Wrong, wrong Susie. This Susie has a job. She has a job, and she's asking for a promotion. And day after day, she knocks on her boss's door. I'm good enough. I've got the skills. I deserve a promotion. I need, I need more money. Give me the promotion. Day after day, she knocks on his door, and no pro promotion comes. What she doesn't know is that from the moment, the first time she knocked on that door for the promotion, her boss went to his bosses and says, I've got Susie. And she's really good at what she does. We need to reorg so that I can give her a promotion. And they've been working tirelessly behind the scenes to reorg things so that she can get a promotion. But all she knows is that every time she knocks on the door and asks for a promotion, a promotion isn't there. And one day she comes to work and she's so upset. She's like, "This, I, I just can't do this job one more day. She resigns. She leaves. Her boss comes into work half an hour later, as bosses tend to do. And... He goes to Susie's desk. Where's Susie? I have a promotion right here with me. Where's Susie? Oh, Susie resigned. She's not here. What am I talking about? Jesus told this parable. He said there once was a widow. And she wanted a blessing and she wanted provision and she went knocking on a judge's door. You can read it in Luke 18. And she knocks and she knocks and finally... Finally, he gives her what he wants, and he says at the end of, end of the parable, and the, the parable is about praying and not giving up, but he says this at the end of the parable that astounds me. He says, how much more will God bring justice for the elect? 
And then he says this powerful statement, nonetheless, will the Son of Man find faith on the earth when he comes? Here's, here's what he's saying. Every prayer you've prayed, he's at work to bring it about. The answer is coming. It might come tomorrow. It might come a year time. It might come in 10 years time. But he's that good. It will come. In its perfect time, it will come. But when it comes, will you still be there? When it comes, will you still be there? When the promotion comes, will you still be ready and expectant? Or will you have resigned and gone somewhere else? When the breakthrough comes, will you still be in faith? Will you still be ready to receive it? Because it's coming. Because it's coming. Nonetheless, will the Son of Man find faith on the earth when he comes? Will he find you in faith? And my story is this, that surrender to the goodness of God brings life. Me saying, in every way, I trust you, even though I don't understand. In every way, I trust you, even though I don't understand, is what life is made of. It gives you joy in the hard times. It gives you a capacity to persevere. It allows you to be still standing when the answer comes. Surrender to his goodness. Surrender in trust to who he is. Living a life surrendered to his lordship. Continuously doing what he says is the path to life, to all of life's joy, all of life's goodness, to the life you've always wanted. In conclusion, in conclusion, Jesus is real, yes is no, surrender is life. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, thank you for everyone here. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Would you come? You know, there's something I want to do today. It's not something we've done much. But I want to give you an opportunity to turn from some things that have held you back. I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. That's what I want to give you an opportunity to do. I'm going to be wild and crazy. Is that okay? As a, oh, <laughs> great. Okay, great. That was enthusiastic. I'm going to be even wilder then. <laughs> I'm going to say, if, if you feel like you want to make a fresh commitment to Jesus, now I know, I, I, I know the faces in here. Many of you have been around a lot. Some of you I don't know. But I want to give you an opportunity to make a fresh commitment to Jesus. And if you want to make a fresh commitment to Jesus, to say yes, to say, I'm turning away from everything else to make you the supreme reality in my life. I'm surrendering all I am to you once more. I'm going to ask you to stand. The wild and crazy thing I was going to do, I was make you to come, I'm going to ask you to come forward and, and kneel in the front here. But that seemed more crazy than COVID would allow. If you would like to make a fresh commitment to Jesus, that doesn't mean that you weren't saved before. But you're saying, I want to, I want, amen. 
My friends, who wants to make a fresh commitment to Jesus? is you saying Jesus I give you my all this is not you saying I was a bad person or a terrible person this is you saying I acknowledge I acknowledge you once more as the king of my life this is you saying once more I acknowledge you as king of my life Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Where you are, you can just pray after me, Lord Jesus. I love you. I'm so grateful for all you've done in my life. Lord, I want to turn away from the many things that have seemed more real than you. Lord, I want to ask that you would come and fill me again with your Lord, I want to ask that who you are would become real to me more and more every day. Lord, I've surrendered my life to you many times, but once again I surrender it to you. I make, I make a declaration that my life is yours. I make a declaration that my life is yours. My life is yours. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come and touch everyone. If there are any prayer people left in this room, I'd love you to just go and lay hands on these people as they've stood. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just receive what we see here in these hearts. Lord God, we just acknowledge what each person is doing and saying, Lord God, and we say yes to them. As they are saying yes to the giant yes of your presence over them, Lord God. Father God, we stand with them and we say yes. We say yes on their behalf. We say yes. We open our arms and we say yes, Lord. Father God, today, today, we declare a new day in these lives, a new day in these lives, a new day in these lives, Lord God. As I said, surrender is life. And right now I'm declaring just new life, new life, new life, new life, 
extra life, more life, beyond their wildest imaginations life, joy in their inner being, joy in their inner being. Lord God, I just command every anxiety to go, every restlessness to go, every anger to go, every bitterness to go, every feeling of dislocation to go, every feeling of loneliness to go, every feeling of insignificance to go. Right now, I declare that these are sons and daughters of the Most High God called and established by the King to rule and reign on this earth by His grace, by His grace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And all of God's people said, amen. Can we celebrate? Thank you, Lord. You're so good. Guys, can we celebrate? Can we celebrate, Mr. Keyboardist? Thank you, Lord. Give the Lord a hand. <laughs> Father, you're so good. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, have a glorious week. Go live large. Go live all of the victories that he's given you. Go and be the surrendered glory bringers that you are. Go and follow him. The answers are on the way. Be found in faith every minute of the day. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you. Don't rush off. Go and find out what you can and where you can serve. Have coffee with someone. Visitors, if you're here for the first time, we would love to meet you at our visitors' table. Otherwise, have a glorious, Jesusful day.